Welcome to this week's episode of Strange Pathways. I am your host, Scott Mort. Where was I last week? Well, um, I took last week off. I had, I had a bit of a rough weekend last week. Uh, as many of you know, I've been having trouble with my hearing. And I decided to go get a Lyme disease test. Went to the local MedExpress. And uh, whenever they took my blood pressure, I never got my Lyme disease test because my blood pressure was 232 over 130. I ended up in the emergency room and uh, was given some new medication to try. I'm on Norvask now for my blood pressure, and it is slowly coming down. Um, I went to see an audiologist about my hearing that audiologist was of the opinion that my hearing loss is permanent. Now I'm going to get a second and a third opinion if I have to, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed, we're going to, uh, we're going to make it through. If the hearing loss is permanent, it's permanent. I can live with this. A bit of whining in the ears, a, a bit of muffled voices, it turns out like I lost my higher pitches. So that was not fantastic to hear, but I'm not willing to say that it's permanent for myself based on one opinion. I will say this, this new medicine that I'm on really quenched my appetite. So I've lost a few pounds and it's really made me drowsy. So my lifelong uh, fight with insomnia, I'm currently winning that like you would not believe. Secondly, there's nothing paranormal about this, but this is just a news story uh, that I feel needs to get out there. I haven't heard of this. Uh, this is going to take us to Jackson, Mississippi. Betterson Wade's son, Dexter, went missing in March of 2023. And she, Betterston had had problems with the police before. Four years ago, uh, an officer had been charged with a manslaughter for killing her brother. And it turned out that her son, Betterston Wade's son, Dexter, was one of 215 bodies that have been discovered in unmarked graves. Where are these unmarked graves? Behind the Hines County Detention Center and Hines County Penal Farm. Uh, apparently, attorney and civil rights lawyer Ben Crump w was quoted as saying, we know based on the records from the coroner's office that since 2016, in the last eight years, we can identify 215 individuals that were buried behind that jail and their families have not been notified. It took Betterston Wade months to learn about what happened to her son. The Jackson Police Department knew moments after his death. 
her son was struck and killed by an off-duty cop in an SUV. The Hines County Coroner's Office identified him days later. Now, Betterston had made multiple desperate calls, and she was consistently told there were no updates. Dexter, her son, had his driver's license in his front pocket when he was struck by the off-duty cop. To make matters worse, to make matters worse, Dexter was put into plot number 672. They, they claimed that his family had no intention of claiming him. But instead, Betterston is forced to pay $250 to get his remains. This man was struck by an off-duty cop. They lied to his mother. He was missing for months. They buried him in an unmarked grave. And now they're forcing her to buy her dead child back. Dexter's plot number was 672. Now they said there are 215 victims found in body bags in that that cemetery. And the thing that's been keeping me up night after night, the thing that I think about whenever I fall asleep angry because of this story, there are only 215 bodies, but his grave was number 672. Spread this story. This family needs justice. On to this week's tales. Our first tale is going to take us to the Poltova region of the Ukraine, somewhere in the summer of 2005 in the day. Now, Irina B. was a young woman. She was living in a country cottage and just visiting one of the many secluded beaches on the banks of the Dnieper River. She went there often. She knew it very, very well. And whenever you start going to a place over and over and over, you start to have that favorite spot. And her favorite spot was this little tiny isolated inlet. There was sandy beaches, there's bushes that provide ample covering, and there are these gaping holes and crevices. Some She's not sure if they're natural, but they could have possibly been artificially made by some of the locals. Now, on this particular day, she's lying on the beach, sunning herself, sleep is starting to take her. And she wakes up, and she's got that feeling, that feeling that we've all had. Someone is staring at me. She opens her eyes, looks around a bit, and is terrified. There is a huge upright walking 
lizard-like humanoid standing very, very close to her. It's about two meters in height. It's got greenish scales that just completely cover it. Irina is so terrified. She's not able to scream. And she just kind of closes her eyes and waits for this thing to attack her, kill her, devour her. But she she suddenly hears this voice inside of her head. It says, don't be afraid. My rations do not include albumin. For those that don't know, albumin is protein, meat. The voice continues, I'm not going to eat you. Now, Irina doesn't really, she, she hears it as Russian, but it's not really Russian. She understands everything that it said. Her only thought is, how is this possible? And the voice answers her, nothing unusual, simple telepathy. Irina just sits there on her towel, looking at this lizard humanoid standing over her. Irina hears that voice inside her head and says, you're afraid of my appearance. That can be corrected. In the blink of an eye, standing in front of her was no longer this reptilian humanoid. No, instead, it's the most beautiful man she's ever seen in her life. And she she's now more curious than afraid. And she goes, how did you do that? She receives the answer. Easily, you see what you want to see. I simply compel you to see what you want. This begins this two-way conversation between Irina and the reptilian. Now, apparently this reptilian was a criminal on his planet. And other species on his planet wanted to punish him. But he escaped. And he'd been wandering all over the galaxy for a long time. He was hiding from bounty hunters. Now, for a little while, he's been using these holes at the beach. They're his shelter. He was really getting tired of hiding, though. I find that interesting because you always hear fugitives say that they're, 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 they get tired of hiding and they get captured and it's, uh, it's a relief. He, he wanted to be found. He wanted to be punished now. And he admits that he's been watching her every time she comes to this beach for a little while now. She reminded him of his home. The creatures there. They also like the sun. They also like to play in the water. And he was just lonely. He wanted to talk to her. He'd been an outcast for so long. He just wanted some company. At the end of the conversation, this reptilian told Irina that he would erase her memory. Her brain would not sustain huge volumes of new information. She would explode. And he promised that it wouldn't be painful. 
and suddenly everything around Irina was encased in a blue light. Irina saw the reptilian and watched his body dissolve into nothingness. And she faints. She loses consciousness. She was out so long that she was briefly reported missing. A search was organized to find her. Her own parents and neighbors found her the next day on the beach, lying on the sand, bleeding from her nose and one ear. Now the doctors at the hospital were puzzled. They, they thought maybe she had a brain hemorrhage. And they said her being alive was a miracle. Now Irina insists to this day that she did not invent the story. She is aware of what it sounds like. She said it sounds like the ravings of a lunatic, but she insists that it's true. Was this a hallucination brought on by a brain hemorrhage? Did the memory wipe not take? And the bleeding from the nose and the ear is just a small explosion. Could this have really happened? I don't think it would be an episode of Strange Pathways if we didn't at least check in with phantomsandmonsters.com. Uh, absolutely love this site. I was enthralled, absolutely enthralled by this tale. Now this, this happens in Lake Delavan, southeast Wisconsin. And the witness has decided to go by the name L. Now L's grandpa always told them, watch the crows. They're the guardians of the forest. If there's a predator out there, the crows will let you know. Now, Elle's grandpa was fascinated with them, and that fascination passed down to Elle as well. Nothing lasts forever, and sadly, in autumn of 2002, Elle's grandfather passes away. Predictably, L takes it pretty hard. They aren't able to even go to the funeral. They they know they're not going to be able to keep it together. They don't want anyone seeing them like that. So, after L's grandfather passed, instead of dealing with it along with the family, L rents a campsite near Lake Delavan. And takes off. Now it was strange. Being there without. Elle's grandfather. Elle hadn't been on the lake. Since they were a kid. And at this point. It really feels like. Elle is the only person there. But being that it's autumn. It's really not surprising. It's starting to get cold. The lake does have a few other visitors. During the day. 
But the Knights, the campground is all L's. Whenever L arrives, he notices a group of crows hanging in the trees above him. Now, crows in the woods don't typically like people. L gets through the first night, didn't get much sleep, feels pretty alone. So they end up building a fire, keeping it going through the night. Fishing was good. He keeps a couple of fish for himself, feeds the crows a couple of fish. They did feed. Even though they didn't quite trust him, they did feed on the fish. And this is how it went for a few days. L would fish all day, come back to the camp, make something to eat, feed the crows. And these crows, they make noise at night. This goes on for four nights. But on that fourth night, the crows wake up L again. But their sounds are different. There's a sense of urgency in their cause. And L flashes back to what their grandfather used to say. That they'll let you know whenever there's a predator in the woods. Now, at first, L thinks, oh, they're squawking at me. But then he starts to realize, no, no, they know me. They know I'm giving them food. Something else is out there. L grabs a flashlight and a knife and unzips the tent. Directly in front of L is a pair of red eyes. Through the darkness, L can almost see the outline of this entity, but it doesn't look right. It's too big. Birds aren't that big. And these crows are going crazy. L shines the light towards the creature. And what he sees is a bird the size of a man. A dark colored body. Wings that were either black or brown. Its eyes were red and large. And the red brightness from the eyes seemed supernatural. It has the proportions of a man. Like it was half man and half bird. The wings are huge. And they look like dragon's wings. L knows that sounds crazy. But that's what the wings look like. L begins to yell at it. And at the same time, the crows are harassing this thing. The crows and L drive this thing off. But whenever it takes flight, the whole forest shakes. L gets out of there at first light. Now, this isn't really the way he wanted to mourn his grandfather. But there was something comforting about being helped by the crows. 
sometimes L thinks that the spirit of his grandfather was there as well. And L's grandfather was using the crows to warn him about this creature. have a love-hate relationship with Reddit. Uh, some of the some of the stuff I find on there is amazing. First-hand encounters, what have you. But just everything seems so temporary. There have been times that I've bookmarked a story, I've come back, and everything's been deleted. I, I've learned to to save everything I see there. With that being said, I, I found an amazing one from user Joseph Stalin 1945. What a username. Now this is going to take us back to late August of 2022, Cold Lake, right on the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan, Canada. Joe has had one of the best fishing trips there ever. Joe keeps a few walleye to cook for dinner and tents on the north end of the lake, east of North Bay Cabin. Joe doesn't really like campgrounds a lot. The time goes to about 5, maybe 6 p.m. Joe sets up camp, gets a fire going, and still fished from the bank for about an hour or so. It's during that period that Joe remembers first hearing a lot of noise coming from the tree line. Not not anything out of the ordinary, just a lot of birds, the occasional squirrel. Joe eventually starts to get a feeling of something watching him. It gets Joe a little bit more worried than he usually is. And his first thought is that there's a cougar. Now, Joe knows what it's feel, what it feels like to be watched by a cougar. I know what it feels like to be watched by a cougar. They'll say there are no mountain lion here in Pennsylvania. That is not true at all. Ask anyone that spent any amount of time in the forest here, and they'll tell you the same. There are mountain lion here in Pennsylvania. Now, each time Joe looks back, they don't see anything. They're, they can't spot what's watching them. Eventually, Joe chalks it up to just nerves. He loses interest, begins supper, and those sounds in the forest stop. But they stop too hard. The forest feels dead and cold. Joe's now more on guard than ever. Maybe it's a cougar. 
Maybe it's a bear. They move away from the tree line, closer to the shore. There's a bit of flat ground forming, almost like a beach. Now, Joe doesn't have a firearm, but he does have a can of bear spray. And they go ahead and they they grab that can of bear spray that's mounted on their chest and keep it in their hand. Still nothing visible. But there is the faint sound of footsteps. Maybe they're footsteps. It kind of sounds a little bit like footsteps, but it also sounds a lot more like an animal moving through the brush. Joe actually relaxes at this. A cougar wouldn't be as loud. They, Joe, Joe begins packing up the stuff. And he gets near the kayak. And then he sees it. The thing that's been staring at him. Not even 20 feet in front of him. Standing upright. Kind of half behind a tree. It's a seven foot tall dark humanoid thing. It's kind of like a Bigfoot. But it's thinner. It doesn't have that bulk, that muscle mass. It's closer to human proportions. And this thing is covered in reddish-brown fur. Now, all Joe can see was its body above the waist. Its arms seem to extend further down. Not a lot of features could be made out. The eyes, though, somewhat yellowish. That shock wears off. It doesn't seem threatening. It's almost as if it's curious about Joe. Joe raises his arm in the air. The creature doesn't come any closer. It doesn't make a sound. But instead, it attempts to mimic Joe. It raises its long, thin arm up in the air and then sets it back down and walks back to the tree line. Now what Joe has seen this day reevaluates his opinion towards these cryptids. They're not just animals. These are intelligent creatures. And the more that he thinks about it, the more it reaffirms his belief in that. It's a positive memory for Joe. It's, he doesn't know if this was some sort of human. He doesn't know whether it's some sort of Sasquatch. But what he does know is that it's intelligent that it didn't seem to mean him any harm. And it wanted to make contact with him.
Thank you for joining us here on Strange Pathways. If you're having mental health trouble dealing with a paranormal incident, please reach out to the Opus Network at www.opusnetwork.org. Check out our Twitter, Pathways Strange, Instagram, Strange Pathways Podcast, and our Facebook. Uh, if you feel up to it, hey, head over to Redbubble. If you got a couple extra bucks in your pocket, get one of our shirts over at Redbubble. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to email us, please do so. Strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Like, comment, and subscribe at our YouTube channel. And thank you so, so very much if you have the time. And honestly, if you don't make time for it, please go over, check out our other show, The Cult of SMMI, what I believe to be the most important podcasting I have ever done in my life. Thank you once again for joining us here this week. Take care of yourselves and each other. (laughs) 